Hi. Hopefully, by this point, I'm welcoming you back to the podcast. But if you're new to The Teacher's Promise, I'm Brett Hansen, and I'm very happy to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing some of the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you, and then exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, I get to sit down with one of my mentors, Mr. Tony Koshonis, who won the Teacher of the Year Award in my school so many times he started suggesting to the students that they choose somebody else, so they named the award after him. Tony epitomizes dignity and respect. He's a class act. Next week, we'll follow two teachers who fell in love, first with each other, then with teaching, and then with the world. Ellen and Mark will tell you all about teaching abroad in Kuwait, Japan, Malaysia, and Switzerland. You'll be fully entertained, I promise, and maybe inspired to pick up and teach on the other side of the world, literally. But for today, let's get back to my living room and Tony Koshonis. So I'm very happy and honored to have Mr. Tony Koshonis with us today to uh, talk about his story and some of the wonderful things that uh, he's done as an educator. Um, Tony, would you like to start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your experience? Sure, Brett. I've been a teacher for 42 years. I had Southern Door for 41 of those years. Uh, the life sciences, particularly biology with the anatomy, physiology, and the advanced placement biology. And we also have a, a research class at Southern Door. So we've been playing in the life sciences for the entire career. My undergraduate degree was out of St. Norbert College a few years back, and my um, uh, graduate is uh, St. Mary's University. And I've had a number of other opportunities to further my education. I coached for many years also, which is very, very important. I'm the proud husband and father. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Diane, for coming up to 39 years. It seems like about three. And our daughter, Alicia, uh, recently turned 36. Wow, that's wonderful. Alicia's 36. That's great. Um, so I think I heard that you had some other relatives who were teachers, some maybe brothers and sisters. Is that correct? Yes. My household was filled with education from as far back as I can remember. And it's a bit ironic. My father... Uh, attended school through the eighth grade but never even had the opportunity to attend high school yet he served on a local school board for probably about 30 years the president uh, of the board for most of that time uh, two of my sisters were educators a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law were also teachers so a lot of a lot of education in my household growing up and I, I truly believe that that impacted me uh, from a very young age on particularly my father stressing the importance of education even though he did not have the opportunity to pursue a formalized education beyond eighth grade. Yeah, that's amazing. And did your brothers or sisters or sister-in-law like encourage you to go into education or did you just see them as role models? I, I saw them more as role models and the reward of a day when they would come home or when we would see them of, of really reaching students that were sometimes challenging to reach. And just the, the look on their face, the tone of their voice was very, very encouraging to me, somewhere in the recesses of my mind. Not, not obviously at the forefront because I had different plans originally, but uh, it, it was there, it sunk in. And so one of the most important things for our podcast and our discussions, of course, is the role of compassion. And so what role does compassion or kindness play in your work as a teacher? 
it plays a huge role in all of our, our day-to-day lives. And the compassion and kindness really evolved within me due to my lovely wife, who is probably the most uh, kind, compassionate, loving person that I've ever run across. And living with her on a day-to-day basis rubbed off on me and watching her work uh, in education as a teacher and library media specialist, uh, you can't help but take on some of those positive traits. I I remember her visiting a a student in the hospital one time that I don't know that this, this poor young guy's family would even visit him. And I remember her taking time and driving down to a a city far away, visiting this young man just so he could have someone visit him. And that that impacted me, this is many years ago, and to this day I can remember uh, the look on her face when she came out of that hospital room and just the the overall just compassion on her face for this young man. And it rubbed off. It plays a huge role because of the stories that everyone has, not just students, but our colleagues, uh, the parents of of our students. We all have a story, and compassion is the the way that these stories can be told and respected. Yeah, that's well put. It's wonderful. It's the the centerpiece of this project, of this podcast, and everything. I, on a regular basis, see teachers sharing great compassion for their students, and one of the things we really want to talk about is the effect it has on us as teachers and it sounds like your wife's compassion as an educator had a major effect on you and I know for a fact that your compassion has affected your students and I hope that it has um, you know influenced you in a positive way as well because everyone around you feels it and understands it that's that's great Um, so did your daughter your daughter went to Southern Door correct yes yeah and did she experience a lot of compassion with her teachers, did she ever talk about that? It was something that really wasn't discussed, but there was always that underlying glimmer, as it were, that she did connect with with some. Uh, I don't know that I was one that she connected with. Uh, her phrase for me was a bag of means, so I'm not so sure she, she saw a lot of the compassion in, in my teaching at that particular point in time. Uh, but. I, I believe that there were some very, very compassionate people for her, and it, it affected her positively. There's no question. I just don't think that I was one of them. I yeah. think her mom was, uh, but I don't think that I was. You know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I had both my students, both my, my kids, my son and my daughter, two years in a row because of the way classes are set up, and uh, I think they tolerated me, but uh, <laughs> fortunately they know that I love them. So. And that's, that's well put. Yeah. And, and that, that is important for us as educators, too. We might not always see that a student is experiencing our kindness or realizing our kindness, or sometimes they're just not recognizing our kindness, but it's still having an effect. It's still there. So um, what is one of your best sort of compassion or happiness through kindness recommendations that you might give to other educators? How, how can we better cultivate compassion in the classroom to improve the quality of our students' lives and also our own lives? As an educator, confidence is huge for doing the jobs that we do. And what I noticed, and maybe it's not the same for everybody, but as confidence in the classroom grows, the personality 
tends to take on more of a role in terms of demonstrating this kindness and compassion without the perception of sacrificed discipline in a classroom. That's, that's very important. I think that getting to know a community and getting to know families are critical in terms of the stories that we can always have in our brains as we're dealing with these young people. And as, as we proceed in, in the educational realm, there are many, many different domains of the psyche that have to be reached. The, the most effective path, from my experience, is with this, this kindness, compassion, getting to know a family. Uh, many years after a fact, I had a, a call from my sister who happened to run into somebody three hours away from here. And as they were talking, my name came up as being a teacher. And this is an event that took place with this young lady perhaps 35 years ago, yet she still remembered the care and concern that I had for her when a parent passed away. And I, I didn't remember this. I, I barely remember who this person was, but it's something that stuck with her for all these years as something very important. And we can't predict how these events will transpire and what we say and what we do to a student today, tomorrow, or next week, the impact that that will have or may have 40 years from now in their lives. Yeah, it's very true. I, I remember in the beginning of my career, um, I wanted my students to sort of prove my merit as a teacher through their scores and their, their learning and their what they could repeat back to me. And I, I realize now that it was a mistake. I mean, I still believe in cultivating and developing skills, but there, that relationship is certainly more important. That's a, a, a wonderful point. Um, so why should people today become educators? I mean, we all know that there's a major crisis in the United States with teachers leaving, teachers quitting, and many young people choosing not to go into the field. What advice would you give or why would you recommend that, that people choose to become teachers today? We have a biological obligation to reproduce. We have a moral obligation to be part of an educated society. And we have that responsibility placed upon us by anyone entering the profession. And it's an honor to have that responsibility. And it's something that we can affect in positive ways, future generations, in a much more direct fashion than virtually any other profession. It's a moral obligation for the continuum. Yeah, I, I like that phrase. I like the way you put that. Um, it is a really important profession and I hope people will um, continue to accept that kind of relationship to teaching that some kind of either moral calling or responsibility or something. Um, could you share perhaps a compassionate teaching story that's important to you? A number of them stand out, uh, Brett, a number of them stand out in my, my mind. One that I, I thought about oh, recently was uh, a thank you note from a student from years ago. And the thank you note started off a little bit differently than most with an apology. The student was apologizing to me for not remembering more of the content material that we had gone through. And I think as, as any veteran teacher realizes, that's 
that's not unusual for students not to remember all of our content material. But then the student went on to then thank me, which a very, very heartfelt uh, thank you, for the other aspects of learning that took place. And we refer to them as the life skill lessons. And I also was fortunate enough to have uh, this student as a student athlete, and we did develop uh, a way with compassion. She would be apologetic after a race, and we had to work through those things. But I, I truly believe that in working through those things, she did she did learn these life skill lessons, which are far, far, far more important than any content matter that any teacher ever teaches. And that, that stands out as one of the more more prominent ones in my, in my memory. So um, did you find that there was a different strategy or that there's anything basically different about your kindness towards students as a coach versus a classroom teacher? Or do you think they're the same? It's a different venue but the bottom line is still very, very similar. There has to be a difference, but it doesn't have to be a difference when it comes to the emotional well-being of the student athlete and the emotional well-being uh, of the, the coach instructor. It's a two-way street, and there's a tremendous amount of learning that can take place as an educator, as a coach, when you're kneeling next to an injured athlete, trying to get them to be calm and trying to calm them down, trying to reassure them that no, their leg has not fallen off, that they will be okay. You learn a little bit about yourself in handling situations because it's not terribly different than the same student who maybe doesn't perform as well on a test as they thought they could to reassure them that no, it's not the end of the world as they know it. So there's a correlation there with the compassions uh, on the field and in the classroom that I, th- I think are very, very integral. Yeah, that's a good point. I, it's another thing that I feel like I've gotten better at as I've tried to be a kinder teacher, um, and that is you know, remembering that although I know these scores and these tests and these performances aren't uh, the end of the world, um, for them, they're, they're a pretty big deal, and we really have to remember that and console them and, and help them move forward with that. So um, one thing that I really, really love to do, and I, I get excited about it, is giving teachers an opportunity to tell us about the kindest teacher they ever had. Um, for example, I, I had a wonderful art teacher in high school, and I wasn't really into art until I met Mr. Rathbun. He was just um, a great person and uh, stood in for uh, a missing factor in my life when, uh, when I really, really needed it. Could you tell us about one of the kindest teachers? You may have had a lot, but just one of the kindest teachers. And um, feel free to give the teacher a shout out. But if you don't want to say their name, that's fine too. Certainly through the years, uh, a lot of of teachers stand out in my mind as being teachers that either uh, I would like to emulate or teachers that I would like to take a 180 degree turn from. And that's just how it is, and that's how relationships work. Uh, one gentleman in particular, rest his soul, uh, was, was very stern, very stoic. But every so often, a little grin would emerge on his face. And that grin may, meant more to myself and I'm sure my, my peers than 10,000 shout-outs that some of our other teachers would give. Just a little grin saying that, you done good, kid, you done good. And that, that still, I, I can still see his face with that little wry little smile after something positive had happened. And right back to his, his stern sternness, 
but every so often you'd get that little smile and that to this day I still see that smile. Um, so what advice or support would you give or would you like to share with other educators in general? Um, what, you know, it doesn't have to be the best tip, but what would you like, if, if you had the chance, which you now do, to say something to the educators across America, what would you like to tell them? Your colleagues are your rocks. And unfortunately, teaching is a solitary profession for many. And I think that many of us start out that way. But those of us that, that can grow and can stay with the profession cannot do it as easily in isolation. And if you are surrounding yourself and, and allowing yourself to be surrounded by colleagues who not only can share the ups, but also can share the downs and can have an understanding, I think that is hugely critical. Uh, in my case, I had family members that we could share back and forth. My loving wife, we shared back and forth. I think that all teachers need someone who they can, can share these things with. I also recommend that not all teachers can have children of their own or choose to have children of their own. Be around kids that are not in the classroom. Whether it's your own children, if you're blessed enough, or whether it's children that you might be working with in a, a church program or a youth program or something, work with kids outside of the classroom. I think that is absolutely critical in getting to know some of these stories that, that are important for all of us to have. Be part of a community. As, as you will see people in the store and say hi, that's very, very important when you see them in a parent conference. There's a, a connection. When you see a parent that's perhaps waiting on you at a restaurant, give a smile, introduce yourselves. Those are important things to go through. Don't, don't be anonymous. Be out there. That's really important for people to see you and for you to see people. Yeah, those connections are essential. And that's another thing that we're really trying to do with this podcast and these programs is to create more connections for teachers and, um, you know, offer advice and support. And we need to apply that to our students and, and their parents as well. So um, one other question that I really wanted to ask is I, I often struggle with like how much to tell students. I regularly tell my students that I care about them. I don't use um, certain words, um, like I might not use the word compassion, but I just tell them somewhat regularly that although I might not, might not seem like it sometimes when I'm giving them a quiz or a test, I care <laughs> about you. Do you think it's a good idea for teachers to tell their students that they care about them? I think that has to be the teacher's perspective and how genuine a teacher can actually communicate that. I think that if, if, and I've seen you in action, uh, Brett, that you are a very, very genuine human being with your students. I think you can have incredible credibility by communicating that with your students. I think that if it's something that does not come naturally, I think it can be a detriment. And that's where the, the art of teaching is so critical to develop as much as the science of teaching. And I, I've admired your your perspective and your approach with students, your approach 
is now something I would be comfortable with and confident enough that I could be credible in communicating to students the same way that you do. So I think it's something that teachers have to find where they're most comfortable going through that. And at some point, uh, we can all communicate it. We just can do it in different ways. And I respect the way that you communicate it. That's not something that I would ever have been comfortable communicating. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's better to show it than say it. We know um, that students at Southern Door uh, think very highly of you simply by considering how many times they voted you Teacher of the Year. And um, if I might be so pushy to mention, have recently changed the Teacher of the Year Award to the Tony Koshonas Teacher of the Year Award, which I thought was wonderful. Um, yeah, and I want to take this opportunity to congratulate you on your retirement. 42 year, years is a, a long time, a wonderful span. I really can't imagine 42 years for me. I got started a little bit late, but um, what a wonderful um, contribution to uh, this, the community. Great job. But do you think there's anything that you might wish you had done differently? Are there any things that you wish you would have changed? Many, many things, Brett. Uh, looking back at, at the years, it's the, the students that you were not able, that I was not able to reach that stand out more so in my mind than the students that I, I feel I did have some positive impact on. It wasn't all, it wasn't all 100% positivity. There were some kids that I reflect back and I can still see their faces. I can still see the, the look in their eyes. I can still hear the tone of their voice when, when we were not able to connect and we we're not able to, to reach what I, I recognize as our, our best relationship potential. Those are the ones that, that come back at, and then midnight, I call them the midnight stalkers when you're not able to sleep at night and you think, good grief, what the heck did I do? How did I mess that up? And what could I do to make things better if there are things? In some cases, there are, are repairs that can be done. Unfortunately, in some cases, there, there aren't. And those are the ones that bother me more than anything else. So yes, there are many regrets and many things that if we could turn back time, things would be done differently because we didn't have 100%. We were probably, probably batting a, maybe what a, a, a major league hitter bats, yeah. maybe more. But I'm pretty sure your batting average is better. Um, Thank <laughs> I've you. heard the students talking about you. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Sometimes in the podcast, I'll be sharing some uh, personal essays about things that I reflect back on and would like to have changed. You know, we really want the interviews to to stay positive and affirming, but it is true that uh, we don't reach them all. And um, when we're trying to and we really care about them, the ones we miss uh, sometimes hurt the most. So, um, so now you know you're retired. What's new for you? Uh, what What are you excited about moving forward? I'm excited about spending more time with, with my wife. You know, she's, uh, she's very, very patient, as I mentioned earlier, thank God. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to spending more time with my wife. Uh, I am currently up at the uh, Ridges Sanctuary in Bailey's Harbor as uh, jack of all trades up there more than anything, but I do have an opportunity to spend a lot of time uh, uh, in the woods up there and uh, doing a lot of um, back to my, my science roots, doing plant research up there right now currently with uh, our native orchid population, and uh, just interacting with our guests up there and with with scientists from basically all around the world. So 
kind of back back to the scientist part of me. There you go. And I'm sure you're great at it. Well, Tony, I know many wonderful, accomplished people dislike being praised, but I truly believe it is important, especially for teachers who do so much and often make too little. So we always finish the show with honest praise and an optional little bit of simple gratitude. That's up to you. You have fulfilled an extraordinary moral responsibility to your society, your community, not only teaching our children about the wonders of science, but more importantly, showing them the wonders of community in the classroom and in sports. It is obvious from your student-selected teaching awards that they like you and respect you, and more importantly, they know you care about them. Everyone, um, including you, the, all the people that you've taught, are grateful for your work and dedication as a teacher, and I'm sure your father, sisters, brother, and your wonderfully kind wife are proud of the compassionate person you become because you chose to be a teacher. So thank you for sharing your story and inspiring all of us to carry the torch forward and accept that responsibility. Thank you for being a role model for other teachers. Thank you very much, Tony. You're very welcome, Brett. You're very welcome. What an honor it was to discuss with Tony Koshonis the legacy of his career as a teacher. I'm sure all schools have someone like Mr. Koshonis, and one day it'll be us. We'll take those positions and inspire other teachers behind us. So thanks again for joining us and believing that all children are our children and that they all deserve our intelligent compassion. Please make sure you share the word about the teacher's promise and that you subscribe if you haven't done so already, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to take a look around Hanson Education Services for some of the other things that might help you serve our students. I'll be telling you more about that in the future. Finally, always remember, you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So please consider joining the Teacher's Promise Facebook group where you can talk to other educators, share some of your ideas, and tell some of your story. Hope to see you there. Until next time. <laughs>